0: Hey, everybody, Chris here. Just a quick heads up. You all know that I'm a bit of a stickler for getting the audio right. And this episode was recorded remotely with Nate. And we didn't realize until after the episode that somehow, at some point, Nate's mic had gotten turned backwards in its stand. So he sounds a little bit muffled. I did my best to get the audio to an acceptable level. We actually even tried to re-record this episode, but it's just not as good as this conversation is, so I'm running with it, and actually, as far as podcasts go, it's still pretty damn good audio quality. Unless you're in your car with road noise, then it might be hard to hear. But sometimes, the quality of the information and the conversation trumps the audio. So, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Rolay. And together we form Gladwell and Grant. Okay. Which most people aren't going to get, but we've just been talking quite a bit about changing assumptions and arguing blacks and whites, you know, uh, black and white ideologies against each other. We're not talking races here, just you know being on one side of an issue versus the other and and Malcolm Gladwell and Adam Grant are these great arguers they do a really great job of approaching their arguments more like a scientist less taking it personal and the topic we're talking about today seems like this black and white kind of argument like extra effort that's productive versus overdoing it and ending up overtrained Mm -hmm. Um, when I was looking for information on this topic on the internet, it's so hard to find. Did you find the same thing? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's hard finding things that
1: aren't just kind of extremes.
0: Yeah. It's very strange to me that this isn't a topic that's like been explored in depth, um, and so the, the idea for this episode came from my client, John Lackman, and he sent me a message that said, in my podcast, listening and book reading about climbing, I feel myself bumping against the contradiction that I don't know how to resolve. The people who every time put in that extra bit, say 5% of effort, make the most progress, it adds up like compound interest versus it's important to not overdo it. That's how you get over depleted and injured. When I feel my abilities start to wane, I cut off the session. And perhaps it's not a contradiction that's easily resolved. Maybe it should be an entire podcast episode unto itself. And as soon as I posted this in our list, you were like, "Yes, we have to. Yeah, we have to talk about this one. It just hasn't been talked about that much." Mm-hmm. And and I think that's because it's a tough topic to parse out there's like all this gray area in there blurry lines and it's it's tough to give absolutes and people really want to give absolutes in this day and age yeah um where do you think we should start on this i was kind of thinking maybe we kind of try to define the two sides and then talk about how to how to reach it i don't really know i mean i guess that's why there's not much information on this it's a hard topic to discuss
1: yeah it it is cuz i mean both can kind of seem almost like platitudes in how they're talked about yeah um you know it's this idea of hey like putting the extra work like grind for it all these things like that but then on the other hand it's like you know work smarter not harder you know don't overdo it you're going to you know you're going to be worse off
0: yeah it's it's interesting yesterday, Lana and i were were coming up with new shirt designs and like gathering what shirts we wanted to put them on and colors and all that and And I've been driving Lana batty because I've been questioning all my assumptions while reading this Adam Grant book Think again mm-hmm. and Lana came up with the phrase don't hold back for these shirts because it's a, a a hold design kind of like a climbing hold design. And, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's great. And then Lana goes, well, but aren't there times when you should hold back? And I'm like, damn it, Lana. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. There are times when you should hold back. And so, you know, really pertinent for this episode we're talking about. Yeah. You let's do this. Let's start here. You have the Dave Mm -hmm. McLeod quote in front of you, right? Which was from 9 Out of 10 Climbers. Talk a little about that and and read his quote.
1: Okay. So 9 Out of 10 Climbers, um, I mean, an amazing book, I think, really still one of the top books on training for climbing. Um, And especially he kind of took the perspective of, hey, here is all the mistakes I see people make. Um, And he kind of just... Plugged him as many as he could into a book. And, you know, one of the most popular ones, and I've talked about this on the blog, like this is one of the first quotes I've, I think I've ever highlighted in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, Oh um, yeah. I remember the first time I read this quote.
1: Yeah. And so the quote is 4% less effort does not get you 4% less results. Often 4% effort gets you 90% less results the return on making that little extra effort is vastly out of proportion with the extra work required. Multiply it across all aspects of climbing, climbing performance and 4% extra in each one delivers a windfall of results that lifts over huge performance, lifts you over huge performance barriers yeah. in practice. A top climber will try a boulder problem 26 times to your 25 and do it on the last go. A top climber will rest 20 seconds less per attempt on a climbing wall than you. Um, A top climber will hang on five seconds longer than you before dropping off the wall and see the move that will get them to the top. Every single one of these things seems trivial, but taken together, they explain why the best do what they can do and you don't.
0: Yeah. Do you think... I'm just going to jump into this. Do you think there are issues or misleading parts of that quote. First off, I think the quote is amazing. It made me rethink a lot of things. Dave's mm-hmm. book was kind of the the impetus, the blueprint for me writing The Hard Truth. Um, <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. I could totally see that.
0: But as you read this back, I hear some things that throw up red flags. Say same
1: so this for me was a really like i mean that whole book was pivotal for me like that was like an all that was the book that convinced me i needed to start kind of becoming a better climber and really that was when i went from this plateau of being v, a v7 climber to within like i think it was 2 years basically i was climbing i think i had climbed like 10 v10s um And it was a lot of the lessons I took away from that, like using momentum, finding better challenges, all these things. Um, But it was, it was really funny rereading that um, because the first thing that jumps out to me is like, oh man, this is not written for Americans. Um, Yeah. Like all of those examples, like we Americans, we love more, like more is better. Yeah. You know, that is just, man, we're. You know, we're gluttons for it. Like, oh, hold on. Can I turn on a Rocky movie and like get super psyched <laughs> exactly. and go tr- like go knock out a Bill Ramsey workout mm-hmm. like maybe five of them this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like we love that. We just eat it up. Like that is to us. That is what working harder looks like. Yep. Um, and so, so it's interesting to me that all of his exa- examples are
0: more, more, more. Yep. Um, exactly. My, my thought.
1: And, you know, and it makes sense because I read his blogs forever. And so he would talk about, you know, a lot of times he's like, man, like a lot of people, they would skip out halfway through their climbing session to go to the pub and go drink with some friends and maybe watch like soccer um, or un-American football, as I believe it's referred (laughs) to in Europe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's a lot of these things like the idea of, hey, rest less, like try harder, do more, you know, for I think some people, some cultures, that's probably great advice you know for americans um i think that's kind of our default um Mm -hmm. so it was really interesting reading it back this time and seeing that and being like oh like because he does start by saying all aspects of climbing yeah like a four percent more and all aspects of climbing and seeing that i was like oh yeah like that's that's the line that should be highlighted right there yeah Um, but you know, when the other half of the quote is examples of more. Uh, yeah, I, I I can see how it could easily be misinterpreted.
0: Absolutely. Like when you were reading it, I was like, oh, there's, there's some gray area in there, but it's being presented as this absolute. And, mm-hmm. you know, there could also be examples like, for instance, um, a better climber will will always use 4% better tactics than you and get the boulder done quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to having to give that 26th effort. Um, you know, a better climber, when faced with a, a much more intense boulder problem, will rest 20 seconds longer. Yes, you know, and, and watch two more people attempt it to gather information. Yeah, um, so there, they're going to. There are examples say, of yeah. doing less to get more, more out of it, and and that's an, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting that I hadn't recognized that when I read it years ago, but as you were reading it, alarm bells were going off.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it, you know, and I think it. I think the more I coach, the more I recognize that as well, that man, a lot of people that I work with just need to be doing like in some aspects less, um, but yeah, there's just a lot of like where they need to do more is, Hey, can I get you to bring some more food to the crag with you so that yeah. you're fueled the whole time? Can I get you, you know, to get a little more sleep, you know, yeah. drink some more water, eat more vegetables, um, yeah, rest, take rest a,
0: more between really difficult attempts.
1: Totally rest more like set a timer so that you rest more. Like, can you video yourself a little bit more? Can you take a a few extra seconds to stare at that boulder, visualize it and like create the sense of belief in yourself that you can do it before pulling, pulling onto the wall?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a, in the, in the gym, I learned to climb in uh, climb time in Cincinnati the manager at the time was a guy named Chris Eklund who I, I noticed would sit back and not try a boulder problem when other people were throwing themselves at it. You know, Climbers mm-hmm. who were probably better than him um, or stronger than him would throw themselves at this boulder figuring out the beta. And then Chris would just sit back and watch. And then by the time he was giving attempts, he could do it in two or three tries. Totally. Whereas we had been throwing ourselves at it for two hours. And he got all the benefits with so much less work in that yeah. case.
1: <clears throat> yeah. It's, you know, and there's, I, I think that's what Dave was probably trying to get at. With. Yeah, Totally. This quote was him saying, Hey, I mean, especially if you read the rest of his book, he's like, Hey, wear good shoes, like, make sure they're clean. Like, he really tries to check a bunch of boxes in that book. And I think that's where he was getting at with this quote. You know, an effort, effort is, I'm not going to say it's not entirely a vague word, but Mm -hmm. it it, it has a strong Mm -hmm. connotation for us. I mean, mean, especially for anyone who is like an athlete prior to climbing, like, Hey, you know, go out and uh, give 100% effort, you know, things like that. Like, we know what that means. Like, that means try hard. It doesn't mean, you know, make sure to have some electrolytes and some BCAAs while you're resting. Like, it yeah. means, you know, go try harder.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think effort is such a tricky word that I've started, um, and you and I talked a little bit about this. Uh, seems like last week or something in our Slack channel, mm-hmm. where I've started using the terms extensive effort and intensive effort. Yeah, because because it can be misconstrued so easily. Um, you know there are a lot of people, some of my clients, myself included, uh, definitely my past self, who, if I say give more effort, that might mean work out for an hour longer.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: You know, as opposed to give a more intensive effort over these 30 minutes, you know, that would translate in my old brain to, okay, I need to try a lot harder on every attempt, you know, as Mm -hmm. opposed to, I need to try the same, um, the same intensive effort that I'm giving now for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and I, this is something I see with sport climbers. I've definitely been guilty of it before. Um, but like with sport climbers, they have so much just energy and this. Like the idea of effort is pump, like more or less. Um, like I'll talk with people, um, while I'm coaching and be like, Hey, you need a rest. And if they're a sport climber, they're like, well, I'm not pumped. So like, I can just keep going. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you're trying a boulder and you should almost. I'm not going to say you should never be pumped, but like if you're just trying two to three moves at a time, you will probably not be feeling pump. Like something, something weird's happening if you're, if you are, um, or it could just be a unique move, whatever. But most likely you're only feeling pumped if you've been like just rapid firing a move. Um, but there's a sensation other than pump. Like you can feel powered down, but that's a lot more vague and sport climbers don't have a great feel for what that's like. Like to them, Failure means pumping out versus like muscular exertion, like high yeah. effort failure.
0: Yep. I remember, I have this really distinct memory of being on a route at, um here in Lander and it was, I don't know. I think it, I think I was on the thirteen b version and i was at a jug midway up the route and i tried to do the next move but i couldn't pull to the hold like it's not wasn't a big move i just had no pull left at all (laughs) but i could still hang on so i would like try to pull nothing happened so i would just shake out Mm -hmm. And I tried it again and nothing happened and I just shook out and BJ was belaying me and he's like, God, you know, how, how and why do you just hang on for so long? Yeah. And I was like, dude, I literally can't pull to the next hold, you know? And I had, I had heard Allie Rainey talk about this phenomenon before and it's, it was such an interesting switch in my brain. Like, oh, this is, this is powered down. Mm -hmm. This is what that feels like.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you say that. That's something I've just recently been experiencing more. Like I'd say within like the last two years, I realized like, oh, like my, like my forearm endurance isn't what it was when I was in the red, but comparatively to my big muscle endurance, like it is dramatically better. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I never considered like, you know, like lat endurance, um, mm-hmm. yeah. to be a thing, like, especially in the red, you, I mean, you just kind of don't need big muscle endurance. You can like twist and roll and kind of like get your way through. There's almost always intermediates right. and even yeah. the powerful moves like climbing elsewhere. <clears throat> they're just not that powerful. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. On know, this nice. route and lander, I was like 18 feet off the ground, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. It's a typical lander size sport route. So. I had done like 15 moves to get there or something, but I was done.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's such a thing. And that's actually been a big thing I've worked on this year is when I do like four by fours or on the minute boulders, I really emphasize like big move endurance or like kind of big muscle endurance. Um, And that's, uh, that's cool. I went sport climbing recently and it was the first time where even like going to the anchors of routes, like. I was like, Oh, like my forearms are like <clears throat> my forearms are getting tired, but like my big muscles still feel like I can still lock off hard. I can still do big, powerful moves. Like I'm still punchy 60 feet off the ground. And that was like, it was, you know, I never would have thought about it before. Cause I, that just wasn't a skill I had. It would be so tapered down that I wouldn't have considered it. But now I'm like, Oh, like that's like a whole new aspect of climbing.
0: Yeah. You know, there was. You and I did this patron episode um, talking about some of my training a while ago. And you had asked if you thought my, or if I thought my success on Atomic Stetson and an Atomic Cow, which had shut me down in the past, were a result of the dedicated mono training. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, actually, I think it's, you know, bouldering on the giving tree, doing these big, wide moves over and over and over yeah. I just, I, on Stetson, I just got in these positions that before had felt ludicrous. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I own these positions. Like, I'm not, I'm not tired at all after doing three or four of these big, wide moves. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a result of more intensive effort and less extensive effort.
1: Would you mind explaining for people who haven't heard those phrases, intensive versus
0: extensive? Yeah. So the way I'm seeing it is, and it's going to be hard to, I've never tried to really explain this. Um, Intensive effort for me is let me try to turn up my effort level in this given period of time, whatever that period of time is. So for me, if it's one move, two moves, three moves, let's see how much more effort I can give in that, that already static time period. It might be, okay. might be 10 seconds, you know, 12 seconds, but something short. And I really want to give more effort there as opposed to what my default was when I would hear the word give more effort. It would be, try for longer. So I would extend the time period rather than extending my level of input. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. And, and I think that's where a lot, where this goes wrong is we automatically equate more with better. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think to John's point You know, John is a client who really digs into the subtleties and he, he takes this really great approach to his climbing of trying to break things down, trying to, trying to become a better climber rather than just a stronger climber or just a, um, a climber who can do more moves, whatever. He's really trying to be a better climber and he's very thoughtful in his process, um, but I think he's falling into the easy trap to fall into of of more effort means doing more over a longer period of time, mm-hmm. and I think if we can rein that into giving a more intensive effort in a shortened period of time, or in in the you know the kind of static periods of time that we have for these little short bursts whatever that is rather than trying it again give give the more percentage toward it that one time yeah it's such a hard topic to to put into words because of all the all the gray area all the ease of misconstruing it Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah it's i I agree Uh, are
0: there ways that you try to keep your clients, the people you work with in, in a good zone where they're still giving big effort, but not, not in a way that's going to lead to injury overtraining, whatever.
1: Um, you know, it's, it, a, it it's de- a
0: real thing trying to rein people in.
1: Oh, absolutely. It, and you know, it depends on the person. Um, Like we kind of like one thing I really like, I really like having a set timer for resting for boulders specific typically, I mean, uh, boulders and sport climbers really, but like have a timer going to where you can watch it between efforts while you're bouldering, man. That's like, I think just having a stopwatch, I prefer not using a phone because it's easy to, kind of get lost on your phone between goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of if you can not be staring at your phone during a session, like that's better. Um But yeah, that alone, I think goes such a long way. But, you know, having that communication with people of figuring out what do they need, like for a lot of people, um, you know, because we work with adults um, and often more advanced climbers. Like a lot of the people... I work with, like, I don't need to get them into the gym more days typically. Like that's yeah. not everyone, but yeah. you know, and a lot of people who love climbing, like they want to go to the gym every day. Like if anything, I need to figure out like, okay, like I can't get you to stop going to the gym five days a week. like, what can I do? Can I make two of those days just super low intensity skill days? Um, can I, you know, like, what else can I do, um, Can I get you to sleep more? You know, that's like, that's a really funny one that like, if I told someone like so many people would love to hear, Hey, I need you to wake up an hour earlier so you can hang board before work, do it (laughs) five days a week still. And you're going to do two a days. You're going to wake up early, lose an hour of sleep, train harder in the morning. And then you're going to go train in the evening, man, people would love that like Americans, especially like, but yeah, it's just like, Oh yes. Like more, like that's what I want to do. But if I was like, Hey, can I get you to go to bed an hour earlier or just, you know, half an hour earlier, sleep in a half hour later and keep training the same amount, man, that's a, that's a hard sell.
0: It really is.
1: Like, you know, and yeah. So people would rather lose rest, add more intensity like they'll do that every day, but like to gain more rest so that they can just keep getting more benefits out of the work they're already doing, which, you know, it's like, this is the closest thing to free money you get. You literally just get to sleep more like, yeah. man, that's, yeah, it's hard to get people to do, but if you can, like, it's huge, you know, like it does like sleep does so much more than Theragons or cold showers or almost everything else combined really
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's it's the biggest box that most of us are not checking that has by far the most bang for your buck uh, yeah yeah it's interesting you know we 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 tend toward tired is a like is a I don't know what I'm had the word I'm trying to use here, but being tired means we had a successful workout, or the more tired we are, the more successful the workout. You know that's this totally. marker that we've all latched onto, and it's really hard to break that habit.
1: It um, is like being <clears throat> sore is almost a reward in itself. You're yeah. just like, oh man, like, uh, for example, I just started, uh, deadlifting again a couple of days ago, man, I've been sore for like three days. And I know, I know like in my heart and in my brain that being sore has no correlation to strength benefits, like, and no correlation to whether or not you had a good workout. But man, I'm like, oh, I had a good workout. Yep. You know, this was I good. Did some Good you know, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like got out of bed the next morning. And I was like, oh, feeling it. Yep. Did it. Like, and I know, I know that that is not how I should be feeling, but I do. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's hard, man. Like, especially like, you know, I used to be a distance runner. Like I've always been fairly athletic. Like I love being tired, man. Like, and that is so hard to get rid of.
0: Yep. So one thing I've tried to try to implement that I could certainly be better at is emphasizing moving the needle in the areas that don't necessarily make us tired and can be worked on at lower intensity levels, things like tactics or, Mm. you know, pacing and, you know, working on specific drills that need to be worked on at a lower level. You know, if I can really emphasize to my clients shit, you know, good job today putting in the work in your tactics, you know, that's, that's going to result in faster sins. You're going to get more done in a session. You're going to get more done in a season and, and we can really keep moving the needle there. Those things, if I can keep doing that and, and get these, you know, these things like intensive effort tactics, um, better, awareness of your breathing, better, uh, better awareness of the subtleties of the beta, um, all these little things that add up to climbing better. If I can get people to put their effort there, as opposed to just putting effort toward making themselves tired, then I think we're shifting the focus into a place where we're not as as predisposed to overtraining. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, do. I mean,
1: it is, you know, like creating a value system around other things other than just being tired.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I think that's a good way to go. Um, you know, I try to do the same. Um, I definitely, and you know, there are some people where I feel like I have to kind of meet them in the middle.
0: Yeah, um, totally.
1: So, It might just be that, you know, we'll figure out how much they can do or what kind of things they can do where getting tired is a little more okay. Um, I like for some people, like they just don't like rest days. So I'll maybe create like a really light mobility, like kind of dynamic stretching and core workout for them. Something that's like fairly light, but they can move for, you know, like maybe 20, 30 minutes and afterwards, you know, they can kind of just like feel that everything's moved and worked. And for them that just kind of, it's like that little physical snack that they need to not get anxious. And so that when they do go bouldering or training or whatever it is that they're doing, they can say, okay, like I'm not, I don't have all this pent up energy. I can be a little more focused.
0: Yep. That's exactly. You really have to work with each person's personality to some degree and find ways to you know to help them check the boxes they feel like they need to check in order to feel good about what they've done mm-hmm. um and in a way that's safe for them. You know, overtraining yeah. is this really devious thing because it results in all of these symptoms that that are um things that you need to be able to improve to make your climbing better by overtraining you end up reducing all of these things like you know for instance one of the signs of overtraining is loss of appetite one of the signs mm-hmm. of overtraining is you know insomnia or bad sleep yeah and both of those things are are factors you need to improve on to improve your climbing. So by overtraining, you've then reduced two of the most important things to becoming a better athlete. More sleep, better nutrition. All of a sudden you don't want to eat and you're not sleeping. Yeah. And you and know our answer for that is I need to train more. Yep. I'm getting yeah, weak. Fe- I need to train. More.
1: I feeling weak. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. It's yeah. And it you know, I I feel so bad for the people stuck in that loop, that cycle. Yeah. Like because I've met, you know, I've met quite a few um where uh like it makes me feel so bad that these people are failing to get better, not because of a lack of effort. Like right. man. Right. Like, these are the people, if you're like, Hey, like you want to get better train 50 hours a week, they'd be like, cool. Like, is that all? Like I can do more. Like, and these are the people that would do it. And there are like, there's a lot of them. And unfortunately, like, you know, I've, I've had plenty of people that I've had sessions with where like, we'll do consultations. And at the end, I'm like, Hey, like you just need to pump the brakes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, if, Mm. can you find a way to get more sleep? Can you like, can you just have more easy rest days? Like stop going swimming for three miles on your rest days. Like stop going and doing the flat irons every single morning. Right. You know, like, you know, yeah, if you can pump the brakes, you're going to climb harder in like two months. Like that goal route that you want to do, like you'll do it. Like you're just tired. And you know, it's hard to say to someone who's like, they're like, man, tell me what more I can do. Yep. And when you say, hey, like it's going to feel like less, like, you know, they have, it, yeah, it feels like it goes completely against them, like in what they've built up as their fundamental belief.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we when I got John's message and when you and I were talking about uh, recording this episode and I was looking into articles, I'm like, let me let me get online, let me see if I can find articles from sources I trust about this topic. I would see a, a, a article title like, you know, overtraining versus extra effort or whatever, and I would mm-hmm. click on it, and the only thing it would show me in almost all of the cases are, here are the symptoms for overtraining. Be careful of these. Yeah. And And some of these symptoms are things that we have to be really careful not to jump to a conclusion about, you know? So the symptoms, I'm I'm just looking at a list right now, and the symptoms in this list are decreased performance, increased perceived effort during workouts, Hmm. excessive fatigue, agitation and moodiness, insomnia or restless sleep, loss of appetite, chronic or nagging injuries, Psychological stress and depression. That's the list it gives, and I th- and I think that's a good list. You know, those probably are symptoms, but we have to remember, they're overtraining isn't the only cause of these things. So, yeah. if you're if you're seeing some decreased performance, that can be really normal for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful of jumping to any conclusion and I think that's the importance of a journal or keeping track in some way of, of how your workouts are going and if these things persist over a long period of time if they persist over a few weeks and you're not experiencing any bouncing back from some of these things then there might be an issue and you need to start looking into it what happens if I rest an extra day you know, or an extra yeah. two days, or what happens if I take a week off or, you know, see how things are affected. Don't just jump to the conclusion that you either are or aren't overtraining.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, for me, one of the things that I implement and I've, I've changed all our proven plans. We're in the process of changing our eBooks to reflect this is I'm trying to put in a deload week every three to four weeks for most people Um, Mm -hmm. for more advanced athletes that might be that they can go five weeks before a deload yeah Um, but for most people if we're progressively overloading their training after about three weeks they're going to need a need to step back for a week Um, and i think that's a good tactic to implement into your training you aren't going to be losing your progression by deloading for a week. No, Um,
1: definitely not.
0: And is the deload, you know, does science say that it's super helpful? Maybe not. But if it can help you avoid overtraining, then 10 times out of 10, I'm going to recommend it. Yeah. So I think that's another tactic people can use to just try to avoid it. Even if they are, even if they do put in a little too much effort during those three weeks, maybe we haven't gone too far down the hole yet to be able to get out of it with a deload week.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, just a couple things to bring up, like for a deload week, um, for anyone who's not super familiar um, the idea is to decrease volume and you still keep intensity moderately high so let's say like 70 to 80 percent um, the really important thing about decreasing volume is volume is much more directly tied to fatigue than intensity yeah. is yeah um, and this is backwards from what a lot of us might intuitively think um, and this is a conversation i have with people all the time because you know i'll talk with people and they'll say, man, you know, like I was really run down, really tired. You know, I've just been having a couple like easy sessions and easy weeks even, and I'm just not bouncing back. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, cool. What have you been doing for your easy sessions? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll just go and climb like 15 pitches of like five, 10. And I'm like, well, hold, hold on now. You're doing like, what, how many pitches were you doing before that of regular climbing? Like, oh, you know, like five to six, right? Like, so you tripled the volume but you, you know, cut down the intensity a bit, like we went the wrong way. Like we want high intensity, moderately high intensity so that we can like keep stimulating like the strength that we have and keep kind of reminding it to stay around. And we want lower volume to give our body a chance to recover. Uh, So for anyone not super familiar with deloading, that's like kind of the very general overview.
0: Yeah, and it you know, it can change from person to person. Some people respond better to a different deload type, but but exactly what you're saying is I think the most universal and and it's definitely my the the default way that I program deloads. Mm-hmm. Um another thing I do during a deload week because so many of us tend to like make climbing this super high priority thing in our lives and and we can very easily fall behind on the other things in our lives which ultimately cause stress which ultimately cause you to not sleep as well and then not yeah. train as well and you know then you're you're creating this kind of self-perpetuating cycle um when the, when there's a deload week I'll say you know, let's let's decrease the volume by about half. Let's try to still go hard in the session, um, mm-hmm. but but keep it within the time limits we've got there. And if you need to skip a whole session because you've got some life things you need to take care of that you've been neglecting, by all means, skip that session. You know, yeah. let's let's take care of those things in this week instead of letting it compound and then two weeks into our next block, you're like, God, I just, I have to get these things done. I can't train anymore.
1: Yeah. You know, let's, uh,
0: let's get it done this week. Yeah.
1: I think that's mm-hmm. a really great point. Um, yeah, that's super important. Important. You know, you've got that giant pile of laundry that you transfer from your bed over to like a chair every <laughs> night and morning that like goes yeah. back on the bed. Cause today's the day you're going to finally going to fold it and put it away. But at night you're like, no, it's not back to like the chair. <laughs> You know, use your deload week, take care of that giant pile of laundry,
0: yeah. you know,
1: at least get it done for until next month's, uh, deload.
0: Yeah. Deload has lots of meanings.
1: It, yes. <sighs> um, you know, one other point we haven't really brought up is another symptom of overtraining, especially in climbing is injury. Yeah. Like we've got these, we've got these little, uh, fingers at the end of our arms that aren't really good at handling a lot of stress. Yeah. Like we're just not, we're not built for it. <clears throat> um, yeah. And, you know, there's this common thing I hear all the time from people who will say like, you know, I just train hard. I feel like I'm getting better and then I get hurt and then I have to recover mm-hmm. from getting injured. And then the same thing happens. I train hard. I'm just about to start getting better again. I get hurt. And it's just like, you know, they feel on their, like they're on this hamster wheel, you know, and that's like, it's easy to feel like, man, some people just don't get hurt. I'm, I lost the genetic lottery, all these things like that. Um, but really it's like, if that's happening to you, like, you know, the things we've talked about in this podcast are for you, like, are you sleeping enough? How are you eating? Like, what does trying harder look like to you? What does effort look like to you? Like, I mean, cause for a lot of these people, like, you know, they're putting in four or five hour sessions or they're the people who feel like they have to climb four to five days a week to keep getting better. Like, yeah. I mean, I, like I can tell you, I've got a lot of like, I've got plenty of clients who all climb V11, V12, V13 who train three times a week. Like maybe they'll do a fourth really light session yep. if we need to bump up endurance a little bit. But like, you know, there's like the, the people I see who get hurt a lot. They're the people who, you know, they feel like they have to be putting in like five sessions a week or it's always two on one off. Like that's just... I don't know where that schedule came from, but man, like it's really pervasive. Like we all, all of us have done it for at some point, it's like, oh yeah, two on one off. That's just what you do. That's what rock climbers do. You know, we do that for a couple months. We get hurt. We take a uh, six weeks off and we come mm-hmm. back two on one
0: off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read this study. Um, it's probably about a week ago and I'm going to get these numbers totally wrong, but they took, I think, a hundred athletes total. Split it into two groups, and one group ramped up their volume slowly. The other group jumped their volume by a hundred percent. You know, two hundred. They, so they're doing double the volume immediately. Oh Jesus! And they trained for three weeks, and the group who ramped up their volume by 20% per week ended up doing better on the post study tests than the group who, the group who jumped up by double immediately and, Mm -hmm. and like 90% of the people or something in the group who jumped up their volume by double ended up with an, upper respiratory tract infection. Oh, wow. So they had increased their risk of illness massively by jumping up this volume and being tired all the time.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, at least that's the way I read it. And regardless of what the mechanism is to make yourself more susceptible to uh, a respiratory tract infection, that's what happened. So I don't want to jump my volume up for that reason alone. Like I don't want to make myself super tired, (laughs) end up sick, you know, and then missing a week or two of training of quality training because I'm sick. Yeah. Um, And, and you're right. I hear it with injuries all the time. I'm constantly tweaking a finger and, and you have said something In the past on the podcast that I think is, is really very valid to this conversation. And that's that when you're about to get hurt, you know, it, yeah, most of us have an inkling that we should stop or we should slow down, but we really want to try it one more time. This could be the time, you know, and then we try and then we're hurt and yeah if we get better at listening to those little voices that are going, okay, maybe it's too far. Oh, but Dave McLeod said, I need to try that 26th time. Mm -hmm. That's not what Dave meant though. Um, Totally. It can definitely be misconstrued to that. So if you have that little voice saying, you're about to get hurt. I I feel something happening in that finger. Let's maybe not push it then don't push it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, you know, in this, it's tough. Like I've definitely, I feel like my stance on this has become a little more nuanced as things probably should over time. Um, I will say that for newer climbers, they make, these things might come as a surprise because like you don't know the difference between I've been crimping a lot and my fingers are sore the next day. Newer climbers
0: are people who've just never been athletes, especially. And aren't aren't tuned into that awareness at all.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Like couldn't agree more. Like, and that's, I think that's something that I've given a lot more consideration lately is yeah, I've been climbing a lot of years. And at this point it's rare that I get an injury that I couldn't see coming or like I had a TFCC issue last October. It caught me by surprise when it happened. But the second it happened, like within a week, I was like, Oh like I was looking at everything I was climbing on. I was really excited about um like big volume climbing, like big holds and stuff like that. Everything I was climbing on were meat hooks, like these big, like right. awkward wrist angles. Yep. And I like, my wrist was like really sore. I went back to the gym and I, cause I had a coaching session and I was like, I'm going to go look at my projects. And I was like, I wonder if I could work around them with my wrist, how it is. Every single one, the crux was a right hand meat hook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you idiot. Like, so yeah, said that like, I had never, I didn't have a lot of experience climbing on giant volume holds a bunch. So I may not have seen it coming at the time. And this was just me being new to something. But, you know, in like not knowing the experience of, oh, that's like, oh, my wrist is maybe a little tired. But afterwards, man, it's clear as day. And that's how I feel like injuries should be. Like, either you're gonna see it coming, but if you don't, you really need to do like a, you need to look back and see what happened. Cause it should be clear. Like it's pretty rare that just, you know, these out of the blue freak of nature, acts of God, acute injuries happen.
0: Yeah. And you know, like gaining hangboard strength is a much easier thing to discuss and understand. Whereas Gaining awareness of what's happening with your body while you're climbing is a more difficult topic and a, a harder thing to measure and to implement. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for my money, helping people gain awareness of what's happening to their body, how things feel, where it's hitting, um, what's happening while they're climbing—you know—gaining awareness of all those subtleties has a lot more power for your climbing than just constantly working on finger strength.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And that's, you know, I think some of the people that we might accuse of being, you know, genetically gifted or just they're not predisposed to injury, all these things like that, I think these are people who are, for the most part, you know, I mean, and definitely there is, genetic benefit for some people for tendon health things like that. But like a lot of these people are just really in tune with how things feel. Like, you know, they yeah. grab a hold that feels tweaky, they move on. Like that, or they'll be like, oh, I'm gonna see if I can grab it a different way. Like if they do a move that like makes their shoulder a little sore, they're gonna say, oh, can I get in a different position? Like, oh right. I can't. Cool. Like I'm I'll come back to this later, like when I feel stronger in that position. Cause yeah, they, they know it's not worth it. Like there's no, there's no indoor or outdoor climb that is worth getting hurt for.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky subject, you know, one of the, one of the toughest thing or one of the most common things that we run into in our proven plan group. So our coach Nadia Sante moderates our our proven plan group. Um, It's just a giant group chat for all the people who are in the proven plans. And one of the things we hear pretty often, especially with newer climbers, um, so like 512 and below, Mm -hmm. you know, V5 and below, is, can I skip this intro week? Can I skip this deload week? Yeah, They just want to get right into it. And I'm like, well, this is this is part of it. Like this is, you want this intro week. This is a way to gradually build up volume. Mm -hmm. You know, if we have somebody sign up for a proven plan on a Wednesday, they have an intro week. That's a week and a half long. Yeah. You know, I want you to have that full week of an intro week. And I, I sort of, you know, preface it with this, oh, we want you to get used to using the app and we want you to learn this system and learn the flow of the workouts. But also what I'm doing is trying to get you to start with a little more volume than you're used to, and then we'll gradually ramp it up throughout the next three weeks. I don't want to just throw you into this higher volume, you know? Yeah. So, So there's reasons for all of this. And I think having a coach you can talk to, talk through these things, talk through the, you know, I'm feeling tired today. I didn't sleep well. I'm feeling a little stressed, things like that. And having a coach who will pay attention to that and modulate your volume for you based on those conversations can be really important if you're susceptible to this chronic overtraining.
1: Totally. Yeah. And if, you know, also if you're like, if you don't have access to a coach, um, man, talk it through with someone, like whether that's your significant other, whether yeah. it's just a friend that you climb with
0: your journal, like, whatever it your is, your
1: journal. Yeah, <clears throat> man. Journals a, is a great, up, great option as well. Like, man, it's super common that people will be like, oh man, I am just, I don't know what it is. I'm exhausted today. And then someone else will be like, uh, You know, like you gave blood yesterday, or you know, like you had a super stressful work week, or didn't you just have like a new baby? Like, how's that working out? Are you tired? Like, you know, all these things, but it's so easy for us in the moment when we're training, or out at the crag to be like, Oh, what is happening? I suck. This is terrible, you know. And it just it's really helpful to have someone else or your journal, um, you know, to give you a little bit of perspective and being like, Oh this is probably just a small blip on like a really huge scale. Like this is going to go away. This is fine. Um, But yeah, like it's the more, like the more I work with people, the more I talk with them, the more like those bad days all seem pretty easily explainable.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know, if you don't have that outside perspective, then You know, it's hard to know what's happening.
0: Yeah. It's so hard to see. Uh, were there other things in your notes on this topic? Um, we've pretty much covered mine.
1: Yeah. Is there any time when you think, uh, overdoing it is okay? Like, is there anything where you would feel fine letting your clients just run wild by saying, Hey, more is better.
0: Mm, Good, good question. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's valuable to overdo it now and then to, <clears throat> to learn what overdoing it feels like. You know, you can't know where the line is unless you cross it. Yeah. That's and true. it doesn't mean you should chronically do it, but if you're paying attention, if you're learning to be aware, if you're journaling, if you're talking to a significant other or climbing partner or your coach or whatever. Overdoing it sometimes and then reflecting on that can help you understand where that line's at and can help you sort out the things that don't, that aren't affecting you negatively when you do cross that line inadvertently. Yeah. You know, like just recently I've had some extra stress um, due to family things that are out of my control. And my climbing sessions have been suffering and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I can, because I've crossed that line, because I understand where it's at and what amount of training causes me to cross that line. I can pretty confidently say I'm not overtraining, but, yeah. but this stress is affecting it. So I need to not go in and push harder. I need to, stick it out. i can I can go do my sessions. I'll cut them off when I'm feeling rough and or when I feel like I'm starting to head down the hill a little bit. And that's fine. You know, this this will pass. I'll handle the things that are causing the extra stress. But I only know that because I've crossed that line before, and I and I can understand what factor is this time. Causing that line to feel a little extra blurry. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do, I do think going overboard sometimes is good. I also think there's a lot of value in extensive effort. Um, You know, a lot of, there, there is a, we've talked about this on the podcast, but there is a push for never get pumped, never get tired. You know, because we talk in black and white terms, if you sit down with any of those coaches who say that there's lots of gray area there, there's lots of subtlety, but when you hear it, you should never get tired in your training. And we take that as an absolute, it, it completely tries to, you know, reduce climbing to this one aspect and Just yesterday I saw a post from Jonathan Segrist that he went climbing with Drew Mack and got pumped silly. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the, you know, Jonathan Segrist is the best endurance climber in America probably. Yes. What do you mean he got pumped? That's not a thing, you know, Uh but we, we do get tired. We do get pumped. We, we do extensive efforts can be really, really valuable. So so there is a time, especially early in your climbing when you're learning what that means. Crossing into those areas is really important. And then you just have to determine how that makes you feel, determine what the outcome of that was and keep those data points for the future. How about yeah. you?
1: Um. Yeah, it, you know, it definitely depends on the person and how much I trust them. Um, like, cause some people I can be like, Hey, like, you know, go out and like, give as many goes on this thing as you can this weekend. Like if they're trying to send a project and there aren't many good weather windows left, I might be like, Hey, like go up and try and get on your project as many goes as possible. Like the more tired you get, the better your beta is going to start getting. Um, which I happen to think a lot of times. there's a yeah. line
0: there too, but, but it's an important thing to learn.
1: Yeah. And it's like, that's a tactic I'm a huge fan of is trying a project. I won't say exhausted, but like kind of getting on, like you're no longer giving good red point efforts. Um, cause suddenly the easy sections are feeling challenging. You're going to find much better beta. You're going to be a lot more in tune with a lot of these situations. You might have to skip past the crux, but yeah. you can yeah. keep gaining a lot.
0: Yeah. You'll start to find efficiencies if you can't overpower it anymore.
1: Exactly. And you don't realize how much you're overpowering because, you know, the difference between a V zero move and a V one move, not a big deal unless you're really tired.
0: Yeah. Until you stack Um, up 300 of them in a row.
1: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And you know, if someone's like, Hey, there's only going to be three good, good weekends left for me to climb this season. You know, like typically I would say, Hey, Like for that, like, yeah, go ham on your project. Try it as many times as you can get to the top this first weekend. It's probably going to tank you. Like you're not going to get productive training this first week. I'm okay with that because the benefits you're going to get from learning this project in the short term are worth it. Like the short term loss of, you know, two training days during the week. I'm not concerned about. Yeah. And if that's someone I can trust with, you know, let's say it's not a super finger intensive route, or I can trust them to know to like skip past super crimpy moves or pockety moves. If they're really fatigued, Yeah. then yeah, I'll say, man, go for it. You're going to feel like trash for like the next couple of days afterwards. Cause you're going to dig yourself into a hole, but by next weekend, you're going to be fine and you're going to have a lot better beta. This is the best shot we have at getting this done in three weekends. Um, so yeah, I think it can be a tool. I also <clears> think <throat> there's value in like, you know, knowing what it feels like to be exhausted. Like for some people, they don't know what it's like to be tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like if you've never had an endurance background or just, you know, you've never competed before, then yeah. Like you just don't know what that's like. And there are, you know, there are good exercises, like a lot of strength and conditioning things like, um, sled poles, anything that doesn't Mm -hmm. have an eccentric motion, like, man, you can get real tired from it. Um, but because there's not a lot of eccentric or negatives, you're not going to get super sore. And especially if you can find things with like a low technique threshold. So like things that are yep. just simple to do while you're tired, um, like loaded carries can be great for that, but just kind of to get you a little bit, you know, into the pain cave, kind of experience that I think there's value there. Um, yep. especially for people who, yeah, they don't have that experience from other sports, but they want to try in red point, hard sport climbs like you, Man, I can tell you, like, going on hard runs, doing slide pushes, heavy carries, like, you can get into that, like, sort of redlining zone and just live there for minutes. Yeah, you can't gain that kind of mental toughness. Yeah, exactly. You're building that mental toughness, that resiliency, that, and sport climbing, man, a lot of people, the second they get there, they've got five seconds. Yeah. Like, maybe 10. If they're Mm. not on a rest, then they're off the wall.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, when you get into that space, your brain wants you to quit. Oh yeah. If if you haven't built up that resiliency and it's very, it's so much easier to say, oh, well, I I can't do it anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop now Yeah. instead of I still have a chance. I have, there's a 1% chance I'm getting to the top, but I'm going to fight for that 1%. And that often ends up in sending, but you can't gain that sort of mental resilience unless you spend time in that zone
1: totally and even if it doesn't end up in sending it could end up in a good like a new link right where you're like oh oh man i i did that so tired like at the end of the day like i'll never be that tired on red point like from the ground like that's huge
0: yeah and to your point to your point earlier as a red river climber, I know you've experienced this. I, I have dozens of times where I fight and fight and fight for a send that I don't ultimately get on that attempt. But when I hit the ground, I'm like, Whoa, did you see the way I did that move when I was mm-hmm. really tired? Yeah. That's, it was so much easier that way. And I've never explored it because I didn't have to. Totally. There's so yeah, much to uh, learn from that zone.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Just don't it's do like, it every single session. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, uh, No, absolutely. You know, and like with giving red point efforts, man, it can be a lot of fun too. Like you can like really learn to love that fight. Um, So I think like l- one, learning how to get comfortable in that zone, but then two, like learning to value that so that, mm. yeah, when you're giving hard red point efforts, man, I like to me this is why I love onsiding so much. I love giving good efforts. So even if I fall on a project, like let's say I fall on the last move for whatever reason, man, if I gave it everything I had, I've got a huge smile on my face. Like I am so excited. Like to me, that's just the funnest thing. Like that's the best aspect of climbing is giving an amazing effort. Um, Yep. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's worth, there are times where, it's worth practicing that and finding ways that are where you can get someone uncomfortable and just get them like learning how to live with that a little bit in a safe way. I think that's great and that there's huge benefits and carryover to sport climbing, probably bouldering too.
0: Yeah, definitely bouldering on days. You know, if you, if you have a limited time window trip and you have things you want to send, but you, you don't know how to, you know, when you're close to the red to still try hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really valuable to know how if you've got a limited time window and you you really want to send this thing that, you know, cost you $1,000 to take this trip and get to this thing. I want you to have the tools to have the best chance at doing it. So yeah. that's yeah, one of the absolutely. tools.
1: Absolutely, <clears throat> Agreed.
0: Yeah, you know, like, in John's original message, he said, Perhaps it's not a contradiction that's easily resolved and I think that's that's exactly it. It's not easily resolved. There's lots of nuance there and lots of gray area. Um, and the the best way to get good at knowing where you stand in that nuance in that gray area is to practice it and you know, take those data points and, and use them for future efforts. All right, anything else on this topic from you? I'm I'm all tapped right. out.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, all I got.
0: All right, well, uh, you guys know where to find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. Uh, If you're on the Instagrams and you're listening to this message, we're at or to this podcast, we're at Power Company Climbing on the Instagrams and uh, go to that post on the Instagrams. You'll see it there. Let us know if there are tactics that you use to help your clients or your friends, your partners or yourself not go into that overtraining zone. It's a tough place um, for, for us to understand it's lots of nuance lots of gray area so let us know the tactics you use on the instagrams we're also on the facebook's at power company climbing we're on the youtubes and eventually going to make a run at taking over the youtubes i've got plans there so we'll see how that goes but um we will not be trying to take over the twitters because we don't tweet we scream like eagles
1: this time, 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 time, This time to build power. This time time, time This
0: time, time, power. This time, time, to time, this time, to this time, 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 to this time, this time, 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 this time, time, to this time, time, time to
1: this time, time, this time, power. It's time to build, it's time to build, it's time to to build.